You are listening to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. Our vision is to treasure Christ above all else and live for more. Uh, we're wrapping up uh, chapter four. Uh, but, uh, but the previous section, uh, what Ovi preached on last week, uh, that was 17 through 24. And those, uh, those two uh, sections are so intricately linked um, that uh, it, it's, it's going to be hard to kind of move forward without understanding uh, kind of where, uh, where we were last week. So um, what, uh, and I'm, I'm certainly not going to re-preach the sermon from last week, but uh, just kind of uh, pitch this idea of what, what Paul was getting at is uh, he, he's, starting to, uh, he's starting to leverage this idea, and he's going to lean into this idea more and more as we go through the rest of the book, but he's starting to leverage this idea of, of putting on this new man and taking off the old man. Uh, and, and, and taking, getting rid of our old self that's decaying and being corrupted and putting on something new that's being redeemed um, and, uh, and, and sanctified. Uh, and, and by the way, that, that word sanctification, that's a theological term. Uh, sanctification is, is simply just this process of, of God taking something that's dead and broken and sinful and progressively uh, sanctifying it or redeeming it or making it into something new. Um, and, uh, and then there's another aspect to this, is, is one day there, there will be a day of redemption, and we're going to look at that. Uh, there's this day of redemption, and that's, that's when everything's done, right? We're, we're, we're finished, right? Uh, we're done cooking, right? And that's, uh, and that's this concept, uh, the theological term associated with that is something called glorification. So uh, what, we're, what, we're really, what Paul's kind of leaning in on and what, uh, what really chapter four is, is kind of leveraging into is this concept of uh, taking off the old man and putting on the new man. And that's, that's this process of sanctification. Uh, so what I want to do is uh, we're just going to read the passage that we went through last week. Uh, I'll give you some, uh, some things that I want us to keep in mind as we move forward. And, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll start getting into our text. So, uh, and, uh, and the text should be on the screen. And again, that's uh, 4, 17 through 24. Paul says, So I say this and affirm the Lord, that you, that you are to no longer walk just as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their minds, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves to indecent behavior for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him, then you have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. That in reference to your former way of life, you are to rid yourself of the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. And that you are to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, which, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So again, uh, th there's this idea of, of, of putting off the old and putting on the new. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's kind of all theoretical at this point. And, uh, and, and so Paul's pitching this idea, and what the section that we're going to look, on, uh, look at today is this, is this concept of, cool, Paul, uh, so we got, we got to take off the old and put on the new. What, what does that actually look like? Um, I had this, uh, this professor, and he would always, we'd talk theology, and he's like, this, this is great, I'm glad you guys got your theology, and, and it's all theoretical, I'm got, glad you guys got it nailed down, but he'd always press us into, uh, with this question of, so what does that look like with blue jeans on, Right? 
And, and what he was getting at is, is, what does that look like actually walking around? Cool. Uh, sanctification, glorification, these, these are all cool concepts. What does that look like in your life? What does that look like when you go to McDonald's? What does that look like when, when you go to the grocery store or, or, or you go to Home Depot or something like that? So what, what does this look like with blue jeans? And that's what Paul kind of transitions into, is this concept of, okay, taking off the old and putting on the new, what does that look like with blue jeans on? And that, that's what we're, we're going to look at. So we're going to get some practical uh, application, and, uh, and there's going to be some, some things that Paul's going to lay out is, hey, make sure you, you take this off and put this on. And, um, and so just, just a couple things to keep in mind as we move on is, uh, is what Paul was highlighting in this text from last week is this idea of uh, just remember who you were. Remember that we were walking in darkness. Remember that we did have hardness of hearts. Remember that we were calloused in our hearts. And Ovi talked about this. Like a callous is, it's mostly like dead skin, right? It just, it doesn't feel anything. And we were in that same way where we just, uh, we were sinning, but it, it didn't mean anything. We didn't feel it. It didn't harm us. It, uh, uh, it, was, it was just kind of uh, numb. We were numb to the sin. We were numb to everything. And, uh, and Ovi even brought up the, the analogy of like playing a guitar, right? So you play a guitar and you get calluses on your fingertips and so that uh, the strings don't cut you anymore, right? Uh, but, uh, but there's this aspect of calluses where uh, if you don't play for a while, the calluses go away. But if you pick it back up, they, they come back faster, don't they? And so it, it's, like, it's like our body remembers what to callous and, uh, and so the calluses come back faster. And I think that's what Paul's kind of leaning into here is, is remember. Remember the old self and be careful because those calluses come back so fast. And they, they creep in so fast. And so he's going to highlight those things of this is the old self. Be careful. This is what you were callous toward, right? Be careful of those things. But Paul also, he, he doesn't just tell us to uh, uh, just stop it, right? He, he gives us something new to do. Uh, I remember there was this, uh, I think it was SNL, uh, the Saturday Night Live, there was this old sketch where, uh, this, I don't know, he was a therapist or something, and people would come in and they would just say like, yeah, I'm just really scared of, I don't know, something ridiculous. Like, I'm just really scared of being buried alive, and it just, it consumes my thoughts. And he's like, well, that's ridiculous, you're not going to be buried alive. And they're like, well, I'm just really scared about it. And he would just say like, well, just stop it. And they're like, well, I, I wish I could. And he's like, well, just stop it. Like, just stop. And you just start yelling at these people. And it was, it was hilarious because it was like, obviously, that's no help to anybody. Uh, it was back when SNL was funny. But like, it, it was this, and that, that's, that's not, like, Paul's not leaving us there. He's not just like, stop it, just stop it. Uh, he's, he's giving us something to do, right? And, and this, this is what, what Paul's going to lean into us is every time, and you'll see this in the text, every time he tells us, put off the old, but put on the new. It's this, it's this contrast of, it's like you can't, you, you can't wear both things at the same time. And a lot of times in Christianity, we, we try to white-knuckle our Christianity. We try to just, okay, I've got to stop doing this, I've got to stop doing this, I've got to stop doing this. But uh, I, I don't think that that's, that's the aim here. I think the aim is, why don't you just focus on Christ? Why don't we focus on putting on the new? And the old just kind of falls off, right? So uh, that's, that's what we're going to be looking at in... Um, so what I'd like to do is just read the new passage, the whole passage, and then I'll give you my points so you know what to look for, and then uh, we'll start digging in. So it starts in uh, verse 25. It says, Therefore, ridding yourselves of falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, because we are parts of one another. Be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. 
And do not give the devil an opportunity. Uh, let's see. Sorry, I lost my spot. Uh, the one who steals must no longer steal, but rather he must labor, producing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but if there is any good word for edification according to the need of the moment, say that, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption." All bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander must be removed from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. So there's, uh, there's three things I want us to focus on today. There's three points. Uh, the first point is going to be, do not give the devil an opportunity the second one is do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And the next one is putting off the old for the new. So again, that's do not give the devil an opportunity, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, and putting off the old for the new. Uh, and, uh, and, and we'll kind of unpack this, but uh, in the bulk of the passage, Paul gives us four things to do. Um, he, uh, he tells us, speak the truth, uh, be angry, and don't sin. And those two things are associated with uh, do these things so that the devil won't have an opportunity. And then he gives us two more things. Uh, and he says, work hard, right? Don't, don't steal. Um, and then he also uh, tells us to edify the saints. Don't have uh, filthy mouths. Uh, and do this so that you don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So th those, there's four things. Two things are associated with, uh, with kind of a major point. And then at the very end, he gives us a list of six things to stay away, or uh, yeah, six things to stay away from and then three things to do. And that's, that's this uh, kind of blue jeans moment of this, this is what this looks like. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. We'll go ahead and pray and then, uh, and then we'll get into, uh, into the text. Dear God, I just, uh, I just thank you for just another opportunity for us to, to get together and, and look at your word. And I ask that you just, uh, you just open our hearts to, uh, to what you have for us. And that uh, you just remove anything from my, uh, from my speech or my mouth that, uh, that doesn't communicate uh, your word or your heart. And that, uh, and that you just speak to your church today through your word. Again, I just I thank you for, for everything that you've given to us. And not, not, just, uh, not just forgiveness, but, uh, but this sanctification, this, this life that we get to participate in now. We love you, and thank you again. Amen. All right, so this, uh, this first point that we're going to look at, we're going to look at those first two things, which is going to be speaking truth to one another and, uh, and being angry but not sinning. Um, and uh, and that, that sounds fun, because that's, that's a command, be angry, okay? So, I don't know about you, but I always read that and just be like, done, moving on. So anyway, we'll, we'll get there. But, uh, but these two things are associated with, uh, with not giving the devil an opportunity, right? And, uh, and so we'll, we'll take a look at that, and I want to reread uh, that first section. So that's uh, verse 25 through 27. It says, Therefore, um, ridding yourselves of falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. 
because you are parts of one another. Be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll start with that first word, that therefore. Um, we were, uh, there's, there's kind of this saying, uh, it says, whenever you see a therefore, ask yourself what it's there for, okay? So, uh, and it's pretty easy to remember. So every time you see therefore, just ask yourself, what's that there for? So, uh, and, and really what, what, Paul, what that's there for is because we're, he's, he's bringing back into question what he talked about in 17 through 24, right? So it's, again, re- remember. Remember that you uh, had hard hearts. Remember that you were walking in the futility of your minds. Remember that your mind was worthless without Christ. Remember that you had calloused hearts. But also, uh, remember that you're being renewed in righteousness. You're being made into something new. Uh, and Paul's telling us, take off the old and put on the new. The old is being corrupted, and the new is being redeemed in righteousness and holiness and in truth. So uh, remember that. And he says, therefore, in light of all these things, in light of our redemption, in light of what we were before and what we're being made into, uh, therefore, uh, rid yourself of falsehood. So get get rid of falsehood. And then he goes on to quote uh, Zechariah 8, and he says, uh, speak truth to one another, uh, or speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. And then he adds on, because we are parts of one another. And, uh, and, and this, and we'll, we'll see this, but this, this context of what Paul's uh, getting at is, is this is really built within the context of the church. And, and I, I, I don't want us to just say like, okay, well, we don't need to worry about doing this outside the church. Yeah, we should, we should probably be truthful outside the church as well, right? So, uh, yes, that, that is true, okay? It's just, that's just not what's in view in, in Paul right now, right? What Paul's zero, really zeroing in on, what he's, uh, what he's kind of focusing in is the church, how does the church actually interact with each other? And that, that's where Paul gets this, uh, because you are parts of one another. And, and we'll see the motivation behind a lot of this. It, it seems a bit odd. Um, but, uh, but he says, uh, speak truth. And, and the reason for speaking truth, the reason why we should get rid of falsehood is because we're part of the same, uh, the same thing. We're all parts of one another. And, and, and again, this is going to come up over and over. It's this idea of uh, speaking truth. Okay, we understand the morality of that. That's good. That's a good thing. We should, everyone should speak truth. Uh, saved, unsaved, everyone should be truthful. Uh, but that's not what Paul's saying. He's, he's not saying uh, be truthful because, uh, because you're a more moral person or I expect you to be holy or something like that. He says be truthful because we're part of the same thing. We're all part of each other. And, and the church is really kind of like the motivating factor here. And I, I think what, what often what we miss is uh, speaking truth to one another. Yeah, that's a good thing. How does that impact the church, though? And I think that's what Paul's getting at is this, is this idea of, man, what if we were just honest with each other? Right? And, and, and it, it, it's so easy in, in church, and especially in Christian circles, to, to kind of come to church and, and we do the whole, like, um, I don't know, Instagram Christianity, where it's like everyone sees the best parts of you all the time. Right? And we just, we post those things uh, when we come to church or we post those things on Instagram, right? Or it's just like, I don't know, a, a picture of coffee that's, you know, some smoking and the words open. We're just like, quiet time with the Lord, right? <laughs> so it's like, okay, that, and that's great, right? I'm glad you're having quiet time with the Lord and your phone that's taking a picture, right? <laughs> you had time to set up your tripod, apparently. So that, 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 that's great. But what if we were just honest about the things that were ailing us? What if we came to church and we, we were just truthful with each other? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with this. This is, this, is, this is weighing on me. Ovi just asked a question when he got up here. He said, How, how's your heart? <laughs> what, if, what if we just felt comfortable to just yell out, like, terrible, right? Like, <laughs> what, what if we, as a community, as a church, what if we were honest about our, these things? What if, we did, what if we got rid of falsehood? And also, also like, if you're amped about something, uh, you know, tell us, right? Be truthful. Let's, let's be honest about that. Uh, there, there's also this flip side where it's like, oh, I don't want to be too excited, right? So, like, God's doing something in my life, but I'm going to scale it back because I don't want to be, like, super righteous or whatever. It, but being honest about this, right? This, this is what God's doing in me. This is what I'm struggling with, being honest with one another, getting rid of all falsehood. And this kind of uh, ties into the next one uh, where, where Paul, and he also quotes uh, Psalms here, and he says, be angry and yet do not sin, and do not let the sun go down in your anger. Um, and I think a lot of times we, we like that last part where it's like, don't let the sun go down in your anger. It's like, okay, I got a time frame now, right? So, and and, so, and that, that's helpful for us to measure, okay, so I need to do this before this time, and that way I can be holy and like, don't go to bed. And I don't know about you guys, but like me and Emily, we always fight like, right before bed, and that's always like a time crunch, because we're like, oh no, we got to like resolve this real quick, and that's, it's good, it's good to have, it's good to have measures, right, it's good to have kind of a baseline to help us kind of look at something and, and kind of measure up, uh, however, we, I, I don't think Paul's giving that to us so that we can be pharisaical about it, right, we can say like, okay, I'm, I'm on a time crunch, I got to, we got to resolve our anger, I got to forgive you real quick, okay, you're forgiven, okay, we can go to bed, right, I, I, I don't think that's what he's getting at here, or at least his intention. Uh, I think his intention here is, is just this idea of don't let anger fester. Right? Don't, don't let that creep in, because it doesn't do good things when it festers. And it, it's not saying that like, all anger is bad, and, and that's this command. We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, and this, this does get a little tricky, because he, he t- this is a command. He tells us, be angry, uh, but then a couple verses later, he says, get rid of all anger. You're like, wait, wait, like, I, okay, so you want us to be angry, but like get rid of all anger. Uh, and, and there's this anger is, is, it's actually two different words and it's translated uh, the same way. And so uh, this, this being angry really is this concept of, of, of righteous anger, right? And that's good. And we see that in the Bible, right? We see Jesus getting angry and he's Jesus so he can do that. Um, <laughs> Spoiler alert, you're not Jesus, so you have a harder time with that, right? Uh, I think we can all recognize that. Uh, we do see other instances where humans get angry righteously, and it's a good thing, like, uh, like David. Uh, Nathan comes to David and tells him about this rich guy that steals a poor guy's lamb uh, to feed his buddy, and David gets angry, righteous anger, right? Well, that didn't work out well for David, right? Because that... that that, that rich guy was him, right? And he just, he totally misplaced his anger. And, and that's, that's the situation that we find ourselves in. And that's what Paul's getting at here, is, is be angry, uh, but don't sin. And how can we make sure that that doesn't happen? Uh, be angry, feel that, but figure it out, right? Resolve that, don't let that fester, because once it festers, it turns into something uh, that often we can't control. And, and uh, one translator, uh, it's, there's, there's a lot of different verbs in Greek. Verbs can come in different ways. You, you can say uh, verbs are in like the future, you will do this, or in the past, you have done this, or just a general verb of like, this is happening. Um, 
Some are uh, kind of conditional, uh, but this one is, is imperative. It's, it's a command, be angry, right? And like I said, I, I think we get that and we're just like, okay, got it. I can, I can do that one. But, but what, what he's, there's, a, there's a potential of translating this differently, and it doesn't translate well, so that's why your Bible doesn't say it this way. But uh, it, it's this idea of if you find yourself angry, be angry, but figure it out, right? But uh, don't, let, don't let yourself sin. You, you guys see that? There, there's this concept of uh, there, there could be condition where you find yourself angry against sin. Good. Be angry against sin, right? That should be a red flag that you're not calloused. If you're angry against sin, you're not dead to that. You're not numb to that. But when you let that fester, it turns into something else, something else that could callous us. And, and both of these things kind of lead up to this point of do not give the devil an opportunity. And there, there are some rabbinic writings where actually uh, this is mentioned. Uh, this isn't necessarily unique to Paul. Uh, the Jewish people actually kind of had this concept uh, of um, this idea of, of falsehood and anger pushes the Lord out of our presence and invites the, the spirit of Belial or the devil. And there, there's, there's, there's actually Hebrew texts that talk about this. So this isn't necessarily new. This is something that people were mostly familiar with is that uh, with, with this concept of falsehood and anger, it actually pushes the spirit of God out. And you see how this applies to the church. We just, we, we can't afford that. We can't afford to push, to do these things, to, uh, to be uh, dishonest with each other. We can't afford to harbor anger against each other. We can't afford that because it pushes the spirit of God out, and then what do we have left? Nothing but the old man. Nothing but the old man that, that walked in accordance to the prince of the power of the air. That's what we used to be. And that's what Paul's encouraging us is, is don't go back to that. You, you know where that leads. And this is, this is kind of where he's, he's getting this idea of don't give the devil an opportunity. Is because when we push the spirit of God out, the only option we have left is the old man. And this, this is how the devil has an opportunity. This is how, how the spirit of our old selves creeps into the community. And he's encouraging us to stay away from those things. And, uh, and I do want to read uh, Zechariah and Psalms. These are the quotes uh, that he gets. Uh, we'll start with Zechariah. And, uh, and basically what's happening in Zechariah is, uh, is God is telling his people, uh, hey, I, I promised, in, I swore in my anger uh, that I would disperse your fathers, Right? Uh, that I, I would remove them from the land and I would spread them all over, uh, and I did that. And now I swear in that same oath, what I'm going to do is I will make, uh, in, in verse 3, 8, 3, he talks about, I swear I will make Jerusalem, a, they will call Jerusalem a city of truth. It will be a city known for its truth, for its honesty. And then he goes on to say in, in, uh, in 8, 16, uh, these are the things which you shall do. Speak truth to one another. Judge with truth. And judgment for peace at your gates. And this, uh, this is an interesting, uh, you shall do this. This isn't, uh, this isn't necessarily a thing that, that God's saying, like, you got to do this, right? Make sure that you do this. Uh, this is something that, like, he's promising, I, you will do this. This will be a characteristic of you. It will flow out of you. And, and the nation of Israel has to be begging the question, like, we've, we've tried that so much. And, and, and God's basically telling them here, don't worry, 
uh, you'll do it. You will do it. And I think that's why Paul's picking up this passage and plugging it into Ephesians is, is this whole concept of we are being made, made into something new, made into something righteous and holy, and out of that is going to come this spirit of truth. We've all been saved in, in the same spirit of truth. We've all been saved in the same Christ. We've all been saved. Uh, we're all part of this one thing. And so truth is going, to, uh, is going to be idiomatic of us. We are going to be known for our truth, known for our honesty. And that, that's what Paul's leaning in on is this is what newness looks like, is honesty, no falsehood, truth. And then in Psalm uh, David, he's, uh, this is a psalm of David, he's, uh, he's kind of talking about how when he calls out to God, God hears him, right? And at this point in the psalm, he's actually like bragging to his brothers and kinsmen about like, yo, when I, when I talk to God, he hears me, right? And he's encouraging his brothers like, do the same thing, call out to God. And so here he says, uh, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call, his, call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent. Selah. And what, what, uh, this is what David's getting at. Is again, the, the context is his brother, and the context is God's people. He's telling his brothers, call out to God, right? Be angry, right? But don't sin. Don't let that fester. Don't let that divide us. And this, this is where Paul gets this idea of don't let the sun go down on your anger is, is right here. When David says, ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Again, like don't let that fester. Figure that out, right? Resolve this anger. Be angry. Good. Be angry against sin. But talk to God about that, right? It, let, let, let the spirit kind of resolve that in you. Because we can't let it fester. We can't let it divide the body. So moving on to, uh, to the next point, which says, uh, uh, the next point is do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And we're going to look at, uh, at two things uh, that do not uh, or prevent us from grieving the Holy Spirit, uh, and that's not stealing, uh, and then that's also um, not uh, having unwholesome words in our mouth. So let's go ahead and read that. It says, the one who steals must no longer steal, but rather he must labor, producing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but if there is any good word for edification according to the need of the moment, say that, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption." So uh, when, when we get to that, uh, that portion about don't stealing, I, I think, well, at least for me, I, I often uh, get to these points and, uh, and I just, I read like don't steal uh, in the same way that I read like don't, you know, 10 commandments, don't, don't kill other people. Check, done, right? I, I can do that, right? I can just not steal things. Uh, I, I can figure that out. And I, at least me, I, I often like skip over, uh, over these concepts. Uh, because it's just one thing I can check off and it's already checked and I can just move on quickly. But I think what's, what's interesting about this is, again, the motivation behind it. And we can, we can see that is uh, don't steal. Okay, good. I understand the morality of that. Society don't, societies don't really work when people are just stealing stuff all the time. There has to be some kind of mutual respect. And, so don't steal and, and uh, we should be different from the world and, and I get that. 
Uh, but the motivation here is not uh, don't steal because you've been saved by a holy God and therefore you should be holy. That's what I would expect, right? That should be the, the moral motivating factor. Uh, what God is saying, or what Paul is saying is, is rather don't steal because you can, uh, if you're stealing, you can't give to everyone else in the community. That, that's, that, that's the motivating factor. And that kind of puts me on my heels a little bit because it, it, it does force this, this question of, well, wait, am, am I giving to the community? Am I able to fill needs in the community? Right? If, if that's the motivating factor, then, then theft is a component to that. But uh, if, if really the motivating factor is just filling needs in the community, uh, that, that's, that's kind of a bigger issue, isn't it? If, uh, and and there's, uh, there's ancient writings, not biblical, uh, uh, or not even Jewish, and, uh, and they talk about how uh, an idle man can only live by what his hands can steal, right? So this, this is not a new concept to the scriptures. This isn't like Christian morality. This is something that uh, even pagans were able to recognize. But if, if we're constantly just living hand to mouth uh, with what we have, uh, then Paul, his concern is, Man, if, if you're just living hand to mouth, how, how, can you, uh, how can you fill needs of other people? How can you take care of the needs of other people uh, within, within the community? And, and that's, uh, that kind of goes back to this whole concept of speaking truth to one another, where it's, it, what, what happens when someone comes to you and they say, I need something, and you're just like, sorry, I, I, I'm only taking what I have, or I'm just consuming everything that I make, and there's this, there's this, this, this idea of, of sharing with one another. And I don't want to get into all the early Christians uh, sharing with everything, uh, sharing everything they had. That's a huge component to this. Uh, but what, what Paul's concerned about is putting on this new man. What this new man looks like is, is concern for everyone else in the church. It's concern for one another. It's meeting each other's needs. And again, if we're being honest with each other, we should know what those needs are, Right? And we should, we should be able to fill those needs. But if we can't fill those needs, that, that does become a problem. And that, th- there's this, this, uh, this word of, of, of laboring. Uh, it's actually uh, better translated as this concept of, of exhaustion due to work. It's like if, if you're just living, if you're just stealing everything that you have, uh, work, work hard at something good uh, not so that you can be rich or fulfilled or that you can retire with an awesome 401k, but so that you can share with other people. You can share that. You can build up the saints. You can make sure your brothers and sisters are cared for. Which goes on to the next point where it says, uh, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. But if there is any good word for edification, according to the need of the moment, say that. So that it gives grace to those who hear. Again, we, sh- we should expect there's a certain morality to this where it's like, okay, yeah, don't, uh, don't have a, a filthy mouth. I get that. Um, I think all good people kind of feel that. Uh, but the motivation behind it is not uh, don't have a, a, a filthy mouth so that uh, you can reflect a, a holy God. That's certainly a component to that. However, what Paul seems to be concerned with is don't have a filthy mouth so that you can build other people up with that same mouth. And this, this idea of, of uh, unwholesome, it's also this, this concept of filthy or rotten, uh, or like rotten fruit or rotten meat, uh, where it's, you, you, you go to take a bite and it's, it, you can't, right? It's, it's repulsive. 
right? So don't take off that old part, take off this, this unwholesome mouth, this, this uh, repugnant speech, and instead put on a speech that edifies and builds up the saints. And what these two things do is, is, is caring, filling each other's needs, edifying the saints. What this does is it doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit. This is how we make sure we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. There's only one other time in the scriptures that actually talks about grieving the Spirit of God, uh, and that's in Isaiah 63. I, I don't have the text up, but uh, what Isaiah is getting at is, is he's telling uh, Israel, remember, uh, remember how... Uh, Israel, how your fathers grieved the spirit in the wilderness. And what was Israel's problem in the wilderness? Is they were always, they were looking out for themselves, right? And they were grumbling. You see, both of those aspects is everyone was out for themselves and everyone was grumbling and complaining. And th this is how they grieved the spirit in the wilderness. And, and Paul's reminding us, we're not far from that. Often we read stories about Israel and we're just like, man, how did they miss that, right? God just parted the seas for them and now they're like complaining about like, oh, I have too much bread. <laughs> like, and we look at that and we just marvel at like, wow, how did they miss this? And what Paul's reminding us is we're not far. We're not far from that. God has given us so much. And when we find ourselves in the situation where we've been given so much, but now we're about giving to other people, that's a problem. When, when, when God has given us so much and yet our mouth is just full of bitterness and grumbling and uh, I just, you know, it's, it's unwholesome, it's rotten, it's repugnant, that's a problem. This is what grieves the spirit. It's when his people don't recognize what they have been given and they don't give out of that themselves. And this, this is what Paul's getting at is don't grieve the Holy Spirit. This builds the community is that when you guys meet each other's needs and when you build each other up with your words, this is how we build the community. This is what pleases the Spirit. And when we don't do that, the old self, this is what grieves the Spirit. And then the last part is this list where he says putting off the old for the new. So we'll just read that last passage. It says, All bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander must be removed from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. So there's a, there's a lot to unpack, and each one of these words, are uh, they kind of carry a meaning, and I, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds with that. But, uh, but there are six things that Paul tells us to put off. And he starts with them, and I think there's, there's a certain sequence to this. right? We have to take off the old in order to put on the new. Uh, but there's also a reverse sequence where it's hard to go back to the old without taking off the new, and that's, that's a problem. right? And so as we go through this process, this sanctification process, we're, we're kind of moving into something else, and yet there is this draw to go back, but it's, it's, it should be actually harder to go back than it is to go forward. And so this, uh, this concept of bitterness, uh, obviously uh, bitterness, wrath, and anger, uh, and clamor, they all kind of go in with each other. Um, and, uh, and again, this, this anger is, uh, is a bit different. Uh, the, the, 
the thrust of this anger is different from the anger uh, that he uh, uses earlier. Uh, the, the anger that he used earlier is kind of like this, this, this righteous anger that humans can experience uh, kind of momentarily uh, for, for a time. Uh, it generally doesn't work out for us well if we hang on to that. But this anger is actually just kind of a general man-made anger, right? Where it's, uh, it's just anger that, uh, that, that man kind of holds on to. And anger and wrath, uh, in, really in the entirety of the Bible, anger and wrath are two words that always seem to show up together. And there's a reason for that. It's because when we hang on to anger, we, we kind of develop this wrath, right? And, and, and wrath is a natural outcropping of anger that's been hung on to for too long, right? And, uh, and, and obviously bitterness is what kind of initiates a lot of this is if we are bitter, uh, what that produces is kind of anger and wrath. And Paul's saying, get rid of that. That's the old man. Be careful. Because once that starts creeping in, calluses form real quick. Uh, clamor is, uh, is this word that uh, it just generally, uh, it's, uh, it's a word just used for like shouting or wailing. Um, and again, that should be self-explanatory. I mean, if we had like a new person come to church and everyone's just like shouting at each other, uh, it might not be a good look, right? So uh, that, that one should be uh, pretty self-explanatory. But it, there is an interesting aspect to this because this word is also used for people that are wailing because they're desperate. They're wailing to God uh, asking for forgiveness or asking for deliverance. It's that same word. And the, 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 the thrust is not a, a clamor or a yelling or a wailing in an attempt to, uh, to seek forgiveness for God, but it's this, it's this clamor or wailing to get what we want. In the Ephesian church, there was, the, there was a temple of uh, Artemis, and we've talked about that a good bit. A lot of times what they would do is they would, uh, they would wail to the gods, trying to get the gods or initiate the gods to do what they want. And that, that very well could be what Paul has in mind here, is, is get, rid of, get rid of that mess, right? We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have to, uh, to wail or, or, or kind of uh, convince God to do these things for us. God's already done them for us, right? So many religions tell us to do, 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 but Christ says it's done. That's what makes Christianity just, just, just so markedly different. It's that Christ has already done it. We already have so much. If, if this is what Paul has in mind, is, is don't, don't wail to the gods or don't, don't try to convince God to do something. He's already done it. We already have salvation. We're already being sanctified. We already have glorification. And that's what he said earlier, is that we've been sealed in the Holy Spirit, uh, sealed for the day of redemption. It's already done. And he moves on to slander. It must be removed from you. And again, this, uh, this is something that he already uh, touched on when he, when he uh, quoted Zechariah, where he says we, we, should, we should be honest with each other. We should be honest about each other as well, right? No slander, not slandering each other. And then he says, put off all these things along with all malice. And malice is just this general term for like all sorts of evil. If it's evil, just get rid of it. It's, it's, it's idiomatic of this old person. If you see parts of this malice, it's, it's something that needs to be done away with, something that needs to be put to death, something that is already dying and just needs to be finished. Because we're moving on into something else, and he gives us those three things, those something else's. And he says, be kind to one another, compassionate, 
and forgiving each other. Be kind to another, one another. We already talked about this when we went through Ephesians 2. Uh, is that God has, has he's made us alive and he shows us kindness, uh, which is remarkable because we saw in Ephesians 2 that we were children of wrath, but now we're being made into something like a child of God, right? Uh, we were dead and now we're alive, right? You, you could, I don't know, if, if you really wanted to, you could show kindness toward something that's dead, but that dead thing is not going to respond to that, right? And, and that would be remarkable if, if God did show kindness toward our dead selves. But what's even more remarkable is he brings us to life so that we can actually experience the kindness. We can actually feel that. We can taste the kindness. We can respond to it. And, and I think this is what Paul's getting at here is, again, back to this idea of, of the uh, children in Israel, is that they were given so much and yet... Uh, they just wanted to hang on to it and not share it with anybody. But out of the abundance that we're given, we should also give. And so we've been given so much kindness. We've been given so much life. We should be kind to one another. Out of our abundance, we should also give. And then also this word compassion. Uh, it's a very unique word. Uh, it actually literally translates good guts. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's kind of this idea of like, your bowels or viscera. So uh, it's, uh, it's this good feeling in your guts, and I'm sure you guys have, uh, have all felt this, uh, you know, kind of when you're in love, you, you feel it like in your gut, right? You just, you long for other people, or you just, you think so kindly and, and, and so well about other people. And that's what Paul's kind of using here is, is good guts, right? Be kind to one, be compassionate toward one another, right? When we think about each other, when we pray for each other, we should, we should be longing for this, and we, we've experienced this with, with Amanda, right? Like she was going through so much and we just, we all wanted so desperately for her to get out of this, for her to get better. And she's just such a testament to what this is, right? This compassion, this, this desire to pray for one another, edify each other, build each other up. And we, this, this is what we're talking about is this compassion. We feel what other people feel, right? And then we praise God when he actually answers those prayers, Right? And this, this is, and again, this compassion is, is God has this compassion for us. Why God has good guts toward us, I, like, I, I, don't, I don't know, right? But he does. And it's, it's out of our abundance that we should also be giving to each other, this compassion. And then the last thing is forgiving each other. And again, the, the motivation behind this, forgiving each other, that's a good thing. We should forgive each other, right? But the motivation is just as Christ, or just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And there, there's this, this remarkable, he just, he kind of slides this in there, and it's, it's a, a lot of times we just, we miss it, but uh, it's, it's God, God is the one that forgave us, but he didn't just forgive us, he didn't just pat us on the back and he's like, well, good try, buddy, uh, we'll just, we'll have a long talk in heaven, right? But, but you're good to go, forgiven, right? Done. But he forgave us in Christ. Why is that in Christ so important? Is because in Christ, our sin has already been paid. It's in Christ that our sin has been paid and therefore forgiveness is even possible. If, if, if it wasn't in Christ, God wouldn't be a good judge. He wouldn't be just. He would be unjust. He would just say, ah, don't worry about it. Right? And that, that feels good when we're the perpetrators, right? For a judge to just be like, ah, don't worry about it, right? 
But it, it doesn't feel so good when we're the victims, right? So if someone has wronged us and, the, and uh, I don't know, a police officer is just like, you know what, I'm going to let him off. He's like, no, do your job, right? Justice, I, I need justice. When we're the victims, we demand justice. And who's the victim here? It's, it's Christ. Christ is the victim. Christ is the victim and he's also the vehicle for forgiveness. God is able to be a good judge. He's able to be just. He's able to pay for our sins, punish sin in Christ. And so that's why it's only in Christ that we can actually access forgiveness. And Paul just kind of slips that in there. As we've been forgiven, we've been given so much forgiveness. Forgiveness for all of our sins, sins that we've done and sins that we're going to do. All the sins, all of them have been forgiven. How? Christ. It's in Christ. And so we've been given so much forgiveness, uh, shouldn't we then, out of our abundance, forgive each other? Jesus gives that same, that same parable, that same concept in a parable where a guy, he, he owed so much to the king, there was just no way he was ever going to pay it back. And, they, and he begs the king to forgive him. The king's like, all right, I'll let you off. And as he's walking out, he finds a guy that owes him a couple bucks and he can't pay, and so he throws him in jail. Right? And this, this story is abhorrent. It, it, just, it leaves such a bad taste in our mouth, and that's exactly what we're doing within the community is that when we don't forgive each other, We've been forgiven so much in Christ. If they're in Christ, why wouldn't we forgive them? If Christ thought it was a good idea to forgive them, man, why can't we? And so it's, it's these things that, that we kind of put on. It's, you know, we put on these things so that we can put off the other things. Or, or, and, 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 and we also keep these things on so that we don't go back and put on the old, Right? And so as, as we, and, and again, the, the context is the church. Yes, these things translate outside the church. But what Paul is really focusing on is, is the community. This is how Christ builds his church. So as we go throughout this week, as we, as we kind of continue on through, uh, through the rest of Ephesians, Paul's going to build out this, this whole concept of the new man, the old man. He's going to keep building it out. But as we go throughout this week, as we, as we kind of text each other throughout the week, as we go to D group, uh, as we pray for each other, uh, as, we, as we kind of edify the saints, we, we, we are honest with each other, uh, let, let's keep these things in mind. If, if we neglect truthfulness, if we, if we embrace falsehood, uh, or if we allow anger to creep in and we're, we're not resolving it with each other, uh, this, this actually pushes the spirit out of our community. We just can't afford that. And yet, if, we, if, if we're just living hand to mouth as if we're stealing and we can't fill each other's needs, we're, we're grieving the Spirit. If, if we can't edify each other because our mouth is too busy full of, of filthy or putrid things, uh, if, if we can't edify each other, that's, we're grieving the Spirit. Again, pushing the Spirit away. We can't afford this. So just keep in mind, as we go throughout this week, this, this is what the new man looks like. These are the cues that we should be looking for. But also there's cues on what's going to callous us. Right? There's this bitterness, there's this anger, there's this slander, there's malice. All these things, they, they creep in. And we become callous so fast. So as we go throughout this week, just keep these things in mind. And let's just focus. Again, we don't have to white-knuckle our salvation. Christ is already doing this in us. It's sanctification. It's a spirit that's kind of coming out of us. 
right? But watch out for these cues. So as we go throughout our week, let's just, let's just keep, at, least, at the very least, these three things in mind. Be kind to one another, compassionate, and forgiving each other. Let's go ahead and pray. Thanks for tuning in to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you live for more.